When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello there. My name is Miles Jupp. And I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95 mile an hour bowling, England playing, World Cup winning, Northumberland hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listen to Gog, giggle excitedly, and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Joe Doherty back in the chair, filling in for Nigel Rothband again. And I have three distinguished guests to talk with me about the return of the Premier League after the tedious international break. I'm joined by Edward Timpson. Evening, Edward. Evening, Joe. Uh, Rob Barron, CTID. Hi, good evening, Joe. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, mate. And Steve Cox, a fellow Kemp Blue. How are you doing, mate? Good evening. So I think we've got to start with the the big news that's come out of our club, which is that Sergio Aguero, our all-time record goal scorer, scorer of the iconic goal in our club's history, I think it's fair to say, it's been announced that he will be leaving at the end of the season. Um, perhaps not entirely surprisingly, but um, obviously a bit of a blow to hear a club legend leaving like that, especially with all the ones we've had leaving lately. Um, Steve, why don't you kick us off with your reaction uh, when you found out that Aguero was to be leaving? Very sad, as I was with Yaya, David Silva, Vincent Company. But I actually think it's probably getting towards the time 
for Sergio to move on. He's struggled in the last few games that I've seen him in. And iconic though he is, and what a super servant of the club he is, it probably is good for him to perhaps find somewhere where he's going to get a bit more football, a little bit more game time. He scored probably, as you quite rightly point out, one of the most, most iconic goals in our history, probably one of the most iconic goals in premiership history, you could argue, given when it happened and what it actually delivered right in that last minute or two of the season. Um, I'll be sad to see him go, but it's probably about time for a little bit of fresh blood. And now we've got none of that 11 that won the league for us. None of them are in, going to be in the team after this year. Ed, if I could bring you in, um, same sort of reaction. It's probably time to go as sad as it is to see him leave. Well, I remember reading a few months ago, uh, Sergio apparently saying that he wasn't going to leave until we'd won the Champions League. So he must be very confident that we're going to win it. Uh, this season. But uh, I think we have to face facts that we've probably had the best years of Sergio Aguero. He will still be a fantastic footballer wherever he goes, but he certainly lost a little bit of that bite uh, this season for a whole host of reasons that we know about. And um, another club he would be a fantastic servant for. I just hope that he doesn't go to another Premier League club and do a Frank Lampard like we had um, and scoring against us in future games. I don't think he will, uh, but time will tell. Um, I'll try to think of... Um, how, how I remember Aguero, and you can't really get past the QPR goal, but when you start to look at some of the, the strikes he's had against the good, the bad and the indifferent teams, um, it's quite incredible the, the range uh, that he's got uh, within his repertoire. But the one thing that really struck me, that he's on the, the fourth on the all-time City list for assists as well, and I think that's a part of his game, uh, that we, we, we probably won't miss as much as we did in his heyday. Uh, but it's another contribution that he made to the team, which was, you know, formidable uh, and one that, you know, we will treasure for a very long time. Rob, if I could bring you in as well. Um, what I wanted to ask you was, um, obviously, we've said that he's, I think there's a general consensus that it's probably time for him to leave. He's somewhat on his way out. Do you think he can still contribute this season? Because it's fair to say he hasn't really done anything of note yet this season. Do you think he can still contribute something? going into this very tough running we've got? Well, first of all, uh, for all City fans, uh, Aguero will be immortal because he's made the most amazing contribution over a huge length of time, consistently and brilliantly. So we have to say thanks for that. Secondly, uh, I agree with what Edward said, that the, of course the dynamic moment was the QPR goal, which we'll all die remembering. I remember something else, and that was that at Bournemouth a couple of seasons ago, when there was um, disorder because City had scored right at the last minute, uh, Aguero came in to confront a policeman who was giving a City fan a very hard time. And I thought that was an amazing uh, thing to do. It showed his humanity and his principled nature. He's not just uh, another superstar. Uh, he's different from that. And then thirdly, I've noticed that Aguero has improved each time he has played. And there were signs on Saturday that while he wasn't back to his best, there's still enough in there to be able to contribute to uh, winning trophies this season. And I think that Pep thinks that too. And uh, otherwise he wouldn't be playing because Pep is ruthless and principled. And if he thinks you're not good enough, he won't play you. 
So I think exactly the right decision has been made. It's it's uh, it shows that Pep is not complacent, and it's something that uh, we want to say goodbye to him. That's the only thing when the time comes. I think you've both sort of set up the next thing I was going to ask you all, um, which was sort of obviously we can all agree that his most iconic moment was a, was the QPR goal. I don't think there's any two doubts about that. I just wanted to ask you what you think would be like, and I wanted you to see if you could give me another iconic moment you gave us. Obviously, there are quite a lot. Just, um, just I'd just like to see what you all think's like the next best one, as it were. So, Steve, I could start with you. Um, what you think was maybe apart from the QPR goal, a, a really iconic Aguero moment? My favourite Aguero goal was against Liverpool with Pepe Reina in goal, where Aguero's at an almost seemingly impossible angle. He's launched himself at high speed. Um, Reina comes out to close down the angle, but somehow, and I don't know how, I have absolutely no idea how he does it, but he, he scored from what was an impossible angle whilst falling on his backside. I've never seen another striker that is capable of doing that. And that, for me, sums up Aguero. He, he scores when you least think he's capable of scoring. He's such a good striker. Uh, Edward, if I could ask you what uh, you think is maybe perhaps another iconic Aguero moment. Well, well, funny enough, uh, Steve's was one of those that was on my list, uh, which uh, it is such an unusual goal, but just shows... Uh, what an incredible sort of smell for goal he had. He could basically score from from any angle as he proved there. But I, I remember being at the um, the a cup final against Arsenal in I think 2018 when uh, the ball was lobbed up all the way um, straight up to Aguero and he ran onto it and lobbed it over the keeper. And uh, um, I, I seem to remember he he sort of he worked out that there was a way of doing it that the defenders didn't really understand how it was that he managed to do it. And just his his calmness um, under pressure there, and basically set us onto an, another cup final victory, and, and that just epitomised um, Sergio really that he he was he's always thinking, yeah, he's got uh, you know real awareness, amazing movement, but he will still find a way of scoring a goal. He's you know absolute machine, and I think that was a an example that day where he made sure that we set the running and went on to to win another cup. Rob, you agree with those? You've got a, an, a further moment to add? This I, I'm quite romantic about this. I saw Aguero at Wembley after we'd won something bring his young son onto the pitch afterwards, and I thought that was very special. I also remember, and I haven't researched it, but I think he scored a lot of goals against Newcastle United. Um, uh, I may have got that wrong, but I'm almost sure it was uh, four or more. And that I remember being there and watching it and thinking, how good is this uh, player? I've watched for more than 50 years and I haven't seen anyone quite in that league. So uh, it's just wonderful. There's so many. There's so many. I used to have a, a map on the wall as he got towards the record of being uh, City's uh, best ever goal scorer. And people in the office thought I was completely bonkers, but it was great. I think all very iconic moments from Sergio. But personally, I think my second favourite, if you like, after the um, after the winner against QPR was actually his debut. Because obviously we brought him in at a time when we knew he was going to be a top quality signing. But he was still, he had very big shoes to fill because it was caught, he was basically being touted as the Tevez replacement. 
who, as a slightly younger City fan, was the first really, I think, the first really world-class player I saw playing for us up front. And so for Aguero to come on and in half an hour score two really good goals and that assist he did reflect it over their keeper. For me as a 13-year-old City fan at the time, that was so eye-catching. And I just think that that really just set in motion the legend he would go on to be for us. Um, so moving on um, from the best striker, arguably, to Donna City shirt, um, I wanted to move on to the game at the weekend. So obviously... We went to Leicester City, a game that a lot of people said was a potential banana skin in this run-in. Uh, we went out with a slightly a mixed team. Uh, wasn't necessarily our first eleven, And I think we won pretty comfortably. Uh, Edward, if I could get your reaction to that game. Yeah, John, I think you've, you've summed it up very, very nicely. I mean, clearly Pep had an eye on the Borussia Dortmund game tomorrow night, rested some of our key players for that. Uh, so Foden, Sterling came on a little bit later on, I know, in, in the Leicester game. Um, uh, Bernardo and uh, made sure that uh, even the likes of uh, KDB, who put in a pretty big shift against Leicester, didn't pick up an injury, um, which can't always guarantee. But uh, I think what we saw was the huge difference that's been made from the first time we played Leicester in the beginning of the season when we... Uh, I think had something like 76% of the possession and managed to lose 5-2, most goals on the counter-attack. And this time, we showed no real signs of letting Leicester come close. I mean, I think you almost forgot Edison was on the pitch for most of the first half until Vardy's uh, late offside effort. So so it's a huge contrast to the first game and I think is is a a, a sort of a pinnacle of of really what Guardiola has managed to achieve this season, which is whoever you play, they know the game. They they execute it uh, perfectly in, in many respects, and almost now they've got that swagger back that other teams feel inferior before they've even got on the pitch, uh, and they're looking just to try and contain us and hope that even if they get a draw, that's a good result. So, so for me, it was the the, the perfect riposte to the bore of the international break, getting the team back together, making sure that uh, we solidified our our big lead at the top um, of. Um, the league table, and I, I think really we can we can put that to bed now over the next uh, couple of games and look forward now to the the cups. So, Rob, to bring you in a bit to this. Um, I think I think a few players that maybe uh, stuck out for me were the two Brazilian lads did very well, and I was very impressed with uh, KDB. I just wanted what perhaps what you your reaction was to the game and uh, your general sort of what you came away from it with. I, I've been fearing this game for weeks because I thought that if ever there was, as you describe it, a banana skin, this was it. So it was after the international break. It had Ipinacho, who is at the top of his form, was made uh, player of the month for the Premier League. It has Vardy, who I don't like, but who is a brilliant goal poacher. And uh, City uh, hadn't been together for two weeks and they probably had more players away than, than anyone else. And as soon as the game started, I didn't have my usual fear that we were going to give away uh, a goal. Uh, they, they scored a goal, which they were unlucky uh, to have disallowed. And everyone played superbly. I mean, you talk about the Brazilians. Fernandinho, you know, when does his bloody statue come up? Because he is just magnificent in every game that he played. The midfield three of Fernandinho, 
Rodri and KDB, you know, we are so privileged to see a player like that every game give world-class passes. The one that led to, to the goal, the second goal, I mean, I can watch that time and time again. I think there were seven players who were taken out of the game by uh, De Bruyne's brilliance. And he's known to be very cool. So it was quite nice to see him get angry at the end of the game. And I'm glad that, that uh, Pep took him off. But the big thing for me is Mendy, because City fans have been at Mendy for months and months and months, saying, get rid. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's passed his sell-by date. He's never recovered uh, his form. And what does he do? He shows the one thing that people criticise him for, he showed composure in scoring that goal. And he was assisted by Sterling, who again is criticised by ignorant City fans who don't know a genius when they see one. And so I just think it was a brilliant performance. We were so much better than Leicester. It was thrilling, really thrilling. And it encourages me to think that we might actually win the Premier League this year. I'm very glad you said that, actually, Rob, because Mendy was going to be what I was next going to bring into the debate. I was very impressed as well. Uh, Steve, you got anything to add on Mendy? Well, yeah, I mean, I've been worried about Mendy for a while because he's he's kind of not, he's been in and out of the team with injury and I don't think he's actually been able to build up a consistent level of steam. And he's one of those players, I think he's a confidence player. Actually being able to play week in, week out is the kind of thing that gives him his mojo, I think. Um, plus, he's also got a bit of competition there because Zinchenko is a better left-back than he's ever been at the moment. Cancelo is also very capable of performing on that side of defence as well as on the right-hand side. So I think that bit of healthy competition has maybe spurred Mendy on and perhaps he's grown up a little bit and he's focusing a little bit more on the football on the pitch rather than the antics off the pitch. I think Guardiola's perhaps finally gotten through to him on that. I mean... I have to say, Rob mentioning about that pass, that pass was unbelievable. I've never known someone able to thread the eye of a needle from 40 yards like that and take out seven players with one pass. It's unbelievable. He may he may try that three or four times in a game and it may only come off maybe once or twice, but it, it's a joy to behold. And I think we won at a canter, I'll be honest with you. We really didn't have to get to a point where we had to up the pressure. Fernandinho was awesome. He, he was breaking up play before Leicester had even worked out what they were doing with it. He just seemed to appear from nowhere, almost out of someone's sleeve, and he appeared in front of them and nicked the ball and was off down the pitch with it. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. It really, really was a pleasure to be home. And I think, what well, we need 11 points now. We need to get to 85 points to guarantee winning the league. And I, I can't see us dropping that many points now to allow United back into it, because not only have they got to win the remainder of their games, we've got to drop points as well. So it's looking more and more ominous now. But till it's well, impossible, I'll never accept that. As a City fan, I can never accept it till it's mathematically impossible for United to win, that we won't screw it up somehow. Well, no, I mean, they, they certainly, they won yesterday in a way that was a bit frustrating, but doesn't matter. Um, so in terms of that game as well, the player I really wanted to touch on was Fernandinho, because obviously in the light of the news that Aguero is going. And I think we can all agree this season he hasn't looked, obviously, like Rob said, he has been improving, but he hasn't quite looked as on his game as perhaps he has in previous seasons. In terms of Fernandinho, I wanted to make the case that I think that we should be doing everything we can to keep him for another year because he still looks absolutely top draw. Uh, Rob, if I could start with you, um, 
what, what do you think about the? Do you think you, he should be? That should be a big priority, really, going into the summer. Is getting him signed up for another couple of years potentially because he still looks like he can play at a top level. He's thirty-five, so uh, I don't think he should have a two-year contract. Um, the difference between him and Aguero is that he doesn't cost City in excess of two hundred thousand pounds a week, whether he plays or not. Uh, I think his influence in the dressing room is huge. He's greatly respected. He's lost nothing. He's as good a player as he was when he first came. And I, I, he seems to want to stay. I don't think uh, that you should equate the two things. So I would be in favour of giving him a one-year uh, contract because he already knows that he won't be playing every week. And he, he, you know, he doesn't have the physique uh, because of his age to be able to do that. But what a substitute to bring on. What a player to, to step in where, where there's a need to do that. Absolutely. Very exciting. Edward, if I could bring you into the, this about Fernandinho, um, perhaps what, what you think about him staying on for another year or or do you think with him maybe it's time to sort of more prioritise Rodri a bit? Because he had a good game as well, I thought. Uh, he, he did, but I think one of the reasons for that is Fernandinho. And you have to remember Rodri, uh, he's still learning. And I think Fernandinho, uh, we can see through this season, uh, I think has helped develop Rodri and Im- improve his own reading of the game, his mobility, his timing, his passing range. So for me, uh, absolutely no doubt, completely agree with Rob, we should get Bernardino for another season. He's he's clearly uh, well-liked, well-respected. Um, he maybe is someone who they're thinking about could stay with the club in a different capacity in the future, either as a coach or, or some other role. So so for me, it makes a lot of sense to hold on to Fernandinho. Uh, he's a you know super fit, uh, doesn't really seem to pick up too many injuries. Very canny playing in the Premier League, and I think we've got enough young players who can continue to learn from him over the next twelve months. Um, and uh, as an ambassador for the club, um, I think he's someone who we should be very pleased to have around uh, for next season. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Uh, Steve, I think uh, you had something to add on Fernandinho as well. He's a, he's a smiling assassin. I mean, he, he seems to do the nasty things nicely um, or nastily, but with a smile on his face and he gets away with it. Um, he tends to be one of those players that can make a couple of fouls first before he actually gets pinged for a yellow card. And then he seems to have the knack of being able to then stay on the right side of the referee for the rest of the game. Um, you know, he's. I actually think... Off the pitch, he's a lovely guy. I think on the pitch, I think he can be a nasty piece of work when he needs to be. 
you know, you see him the odd little jab, the odd little nudge, the odd little push. You know, he's quite capable. I think he did a nice shoulder barge the other week when we were playing Tottenham that literally flattened. Um, I think it was Low Celso or someone like that. Um, and he, he just sort of grinned at him on the floor as if to say, you know, you come near me again, you're going to get another one of those. And I, I think he does that very, very well, but very tactfully. Um, he's great to have around. He's like company. He's got that kind of gravitas. All the players look up to him. Even when he's not playing, he adds something to the team regardless. And he's, he's City through and through. If you cut him down the middle, you know, he paid part of his transfer fee to come to City. He, he forgo some of the what he could have got from Shakhtar and said, right, OK, I'll give that up and I'll come and play for City. And he's been a fantastic servant again, you know, week in, week out. Brilliant player. I totally agree. And I, I, I do, I did really enjoy that moment he had with uh, Madison at the weekend where he'd, um, he got booked and he just gave him a little pat on the head and everything. It reminds me of... Um, Someone told me once that Tony Adams, when he used to play for Arsenal, when he'd give someone a dig, and when they were on the floor, he'd always help them up and say, how are the wife and kids? And I think that Dino's got a touch of that about him. And it, it is great to see, because you see every other team that has a player like that, there isn't, there often isn't anything particularly likeable about them. But Fernandinho, like you say, he's so well-respected around the club and loved by the fans. So I'd totally get him signed up for um, another year. And uh, I also think he's got a very important part to play uh, for the rest of this season uh, in a way that perhaps it's debatable if some of our other uh, fringe like players that don't start every week do. I, I think, I think the, the other thing that he, he does is he, he has learned over the years to become the team's metronome, very much the way that David Silva used to be. Fernandinho knows how to speed up the play or when to speed up the play and when to G the play going forward. And it's people like Foden and Rodri need to learn a lot from him whilst he's still playing because he kind of holds that pace. And that's what Pep seems to like. He likes a player who can play fast when he needs to play fast, but also slow the game down and bring it to a crawl when it needs to be. I think going forward then, um, we've got a very big game in the Champions League on Tuesday. Well, tomorrow night, isn't it, against Dortmund? Um, huge game. Obviously, we're at that stage of the season that, as the last few years, we've all enjoyed so much, the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Um, got a very tricky game against a, against a good attacking team. Uh, they've not been at their best this season in Germany, but they've got someone in their side that's of some degree of interest to us, I'd say. And I just sort of wanted to look into it and think, ask you all, how you think we'll deal with Dortmund's threats and how do we avoid the mistakes we've made in this stage of the last few years? So, um, Steve, if I could ask you first, um, how, how, do we, how do we play this and how do we avoid the silly mistakes we've made at this stage before? The first thing I have to say at this point is I'm really pleased that Jadon Sancho is not playing tomorrow because we have a habit of coming up against players that have left us for whatever reason and they have a habit of biting us in the backside. So I'm really pleased that Sancho is not available. Not that I wish him any harm or anything like that, but as long as he doesn't play in these two games, I'll be quite happy. Um, I think that... We've probably overcomplicated things in the past and we've probably moved more towards playing differently to what we're used to. And I think that we need to realise that we need to set the pattern in this game and we need to lay down who is the boss. And we need to play like we have been for the most part of this season. Three quarters of this season, we played really well. We were terrible for the first few weeks, a bit on hit and miss. But since then... 
we've actually the Man United game apart, we have really, really played very, very well. And I think we mustn't underestimate our ability to do it. However, as a City fan going into any game like this, I'm as nervous as hell purely because we have that capacity to screw it up. So I just hope that we don't overcomplicate things. I hope we play to our um, credit. And we've got players like Gundogan, who played for Dortmund. He understands them inside now. And we need to use that to our sort of credit and our ability and get it finished in the first game, for crying out loud. Let's not make any stupid mistakes and give away any silly goals and make sure we can kind of relax in the, in the, second, in the second leg, if possible. So, Edward, obviously Sancho's out. We have, we do have a bit of a habit of these players coming back to bite us. Um, how do you think we get this done and avoid the threats and get through this, really? Well, I think Steve's right. What we don't want to do is, although we know Pat will have gone through with a fine-tooth comb, the Borussia Dortmund team individually, their tactics, their current form, and we'll be building his response uh, on that. But as we saw with Leon. uh in you know, not too many games ago in the Champions League, uh, where we uh, we rather fell on our backsides by probably overthinking uh, our response and playing too much into the hands of the opposition. So I hope that yes, we will factor all of uh, Dortmund's um, variables into how we set up. Uh, but by and large, we we know what our formula for winning is at the moment. We've won you know 15 away games in a row. Our home form is not that far off off that. And I think some of the decisions will be interesting to see is around, uh, we saw Diaz and Laporte looking extremely solid uh, against Leicester. Will he bring Stones back in or will he stick stick with those two? Uh, I, I fully expect Gundogan to come, come back into the team for the reasons Steve said. Bernardo possibly. Uh, I'd like probably like to see Walker on the right if that's the formation, just for his pace. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of people who can do the job and Ultimately, as we've seen most of the season, they'll fit into the role that they're given. Uh, we should have too much for them. And there's every reason to think that we, if Dortmund carry on the form from their last game, which they lost, uh, we can do most of the damage during this first leg. But there's, there's still some ponderables on what the team selection will be and whether we, we go um, as aggressive as perhaps we as fans would like to see or whether he's rather more um, sort of cautious and hopefully not overly cautious, cautious, which allows uh, the likes of Haaland to to show what they can do. Uh, Rob, to bring you into this, uh, what I wanted to ask you is, um, so we're going in, up against a team that have been very good going forward, but not as great at the back. Uh, do you think that our defence, which I think is probably the best it's been, probably since Mancini was in charge, to be honest, uh, could be the difference in this tie in terms of getting... Certainly not letting any away goals in, just getting the, as Steve said, getting it done in the first leg. I I, uh, I recall what Joe Murphy used to say, we have to defend in their half. And I think that's true. Every player has to be defensive minded as well as attack minded. And that's that's the secret or one of the secrets of how good they are that, you know, players like Jesus or KDB, who, who has a terrific uh, defensive record, contribute in a way that you wouldn't expect if you were just looking at it uh, in terms of numbers. I agree that the key question is whether or not Stones plays, because uh, Laporte and Diaz were superb on Saturday, and uh, Pep has a very uh, good 
good uh, decision to make there. But obviously, um, uh, I, what, from what Pep has said, he, he still retains confidence in Stones and he will, will possibly play. Uh, but I'm very, uh, I'm not overconfident, but I'm confident that Pep has played it beautifully. He's rested uh, his players at a time of intense uh, number of games. So you, you've got five or six players like have already been mentioned, although Foden hasn't been mentioned, uh, Cancelo, Gundogan and so on, who can come in fresh and can give them a hard time. And I think the key thing, which is true in all of life, is that we have to learn from our mistakes and do something about them. And I think that's what Rodri was saying at the press conference. You know, uh, against Leon, we were too uh, defensive-minded, too much thinking about uh, the opposition and not enough about our strengths. Uh, we, we know that Dortmund are a counter-attacking team and we have the strengths to be able to combat that. And I don't. I would like it to be one in the first leg, but it's a two-leg game, and Sancho may be back for the second leg. So let's always remember that. That even if they win tomorrow, it's not over. Uh, but they have to, if at all possible, take advantage of of uh, the form that they're in and uh, the momentum which is steadily building. So before I, I start to wrap this up, I've got a couple of questions for you connect to you all connected to the game tomorrow. One's a bit more specific for the game. And that's just if I can get a prediction out of all of you. So I'll start with you, Rob, um, after what you're just saying, if I can get a prediction for the game tomorrow. I don't make predictions on this programme because they're recorded. Uh, but, but I think, you know, I'll be, because Nigel's not here, Joe, I will say I think we will win tomorrow and uh, I greatly look forward to the game. Uh, Edward, your prediction, please. I always make predictions uh, because I know that I'm always wrong, so it doesn't really come uh, come back to, to bite me. Uh, so I'll go for a 2-1 City win. And Steve, uh, if I can get yours, please. I'll, I'll echo what Edward said, actually. I was thinking 2-1 before he even mentioned it, so yes, I agree. Uh, for what it's worth, I, I've actually got quite a few of them right recently, but only during the game, if that makes sense. Like, I never call it before the game, but as the game goes on, like, we'll concede a goal where everyone's all doom and gloom. Some of my mates, I'm straight and they're like, no, relax. 3-1 us and I'm always right. So I'm going to say 3-1 uh, for tomorrow. Um, my slightly more general question connects to um, Torres is um, every year, I think, we said it before, Leon. We said it because of Tottenham. When, when we get these draws, we've said, "Is this the big chance to to finally end this Champions League duck and and win it?" And what I, I guess I wanted to ask you all is, because I, I personally think this is a bigger chance because I think um, the way we've invested in the squad over the last year, it, it's massive for this. But I, I'm not sure if, if this actually is the case or if I'm just repeating myself. So um, we can start with you, Steve. Do you think this is like our best chance of winning it? Or do you think perhaps I'm just getting into the into the mood of previous years and it's no different, really? We just have to avoid the same mistakes we've made before. I think it's no different to any other year. Um, if we are to progress, we have to beat Dortmund. We also have to beat one of Munich or PSG. Now, that is a pretty big ask in itself and then you get to the final if we were to get to the final you potentially up against Chelsea or Liverpool or one of the other side of that draw so that there's not an easy game 
in any of those games left to play in Europe. So I don't think it's necessarily our best chance. We have given ourselves a good chance of getting there, but we've still got a hell of a lot of work to do. And if we're going to do anything like winning a quadruple this year, we've got to be focused at all times in all games for the remainder of the season, regardless of the situation in the Premier League. We can't allow that one to drop off either because that momentum will carry with us into anything else we're actually playing. So I think we're at that point now where... Yes, we've got a really good chance in all of those competitions, but we need to make sure we keep that momentum up, not slip up like we did against United a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Rob, if I can ask you the same question, do you think that we've got a be- any better a chance than normal this season or do you think it's it's just a case of avoiding these mistakes we've made before? No, I don't think it's any better this year than it has been in the past. And uh, Bayern Munich uh, are in our way and they are a formidable team. And uh, as we've just heard, we could play Liverpool in the final. So, you know, there's no easy game. What Pep is brilliant at is telling his players to focus a game at a time. And I think that is essential uh, at this stage of the season because every game is a cup final. Uh, and so let's just, just not, and you know, let's not ask the question, is it our best chance? Let's use the players we've got who are in great form and see what we can do. And there isn't pressure. The only pressure that's brought about is is on ourselves uh, in terms of uh, our integrity and our commitment to the team. Uh, finally, Ed, would you do you agree with um, Steve and Rob, or do you, and that, that I'm basically just repeating what a lot of us have said in the past, or or do you think? Because personally, I think it's because our defence is just going to make such a huge difference. I'd have had very little confidence in this game this time last year, perhaps. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being optimistic. Um, and I do think if you look at both the balance between the history of us in this competition, which is all still fairly new compared to a lot of other teams, and also our current form compared with the rivals who are still in the competition, you can understand why people are looking at us as potential winners. And one of the other factors that I think is completely unique to, to this season is, of course, there's no crowds. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure whether they're planning on having any for the final. Uh, We'll have to wait and see. Uh, But I think from City's point of view, that doesn't seem to have affected our uh, intensity of play, our ability to deliver a game plan. Uh, We've seen more goals scored in the first half in the Premier League this, 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 this season than the second half, which I think the first time that's ever happened. So other teams, uh, I think, run out of steam. We, we seem to be able to keep going. So there's lots of things in our favour. But look, you know, I think uh, what everyone else is, is correct. You know, you've still got some huge teams in our way. And it doesn't take much like we saw in the United game not, uh, not that long ago for, for it to go um, south quite quickly. Um, I think we're in good shape. We've got a great chance. Um, and, you know, we will hope that we, we overcome all the hurdles that are left. But... There's so many variables out there that even Pep um, can't 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 work through all of them and guarantee success. So um, optimistic, uh, but realistic. Thanks, Edward. I've, I've, uh, I think we'll start to uh, wrap this up. It's been a really good show tonight. Uh, lots of good debate going into these uh, matches, um, and and great to play a tri- pay a tribute to one of the finest strikers this not just this club, this country's ever seen, I think, playing at the domestic level. So um, a huge thanks to Rob Barron, CTID. A huge thanks to Edward Timpson. 
And a huge thanks to Steve Cox. Uh, this is Joe Doherty saying thanks for listening and we'll see you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit Playback Media. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.